another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. Previewing Super Wild Card Weekend, breaking down all six games with some bets to go along with them. You can follow me on X at Eli Herskovich. You can follow Mo, my co-host, all season long at Mo Noir, two W's. You can follow the lines at the lines US. Mo, how was your NFL betting weekend? And I know you made some cash on the side too with the poker tournament. Yeah, not a strong week 18 for me. I think I went three and five or something. So yeah, slight loss. Could have been worse, I guess. If, uh, But, you know, like I said, this could always be the week that week 18 finally goes south for me, or this could always be the year, I guess. So I guess it was, <laughs> but because, uh, yeah, historically I've done very well. But this year, I did feel like the line somewhat adjusted in some spots. I felt like they over-adjusted in some spots, but went one and one on those. I had the Lions. Uh, you had the other side of that one, so I did get that one right, but too much faith in the Eagles, apparently. Yikes. Yeah, we'll talk about Eagles, and we'll talk about the Bucks too, NFC South champs. Got a little fortunate in that Panthers game. That'll be the last game we discuss among the six wildcard games. And before we get into all of them, along with some DJ stories, remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market, including the NBA. Nate and Josh do a great job in that respective sport. I'll be back on with my college basketball podcast either later this week or next week. We are jammed with NFL content this week. So we'll see how the week goes. You can also leave us a five-star review and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mo, I know you said you had a down week 18, but overall this season here on Beat the Closing Number, we are 41 and 24 with spreads and totals. I didn't have a great week 18 either. My only winner was the Bills Dolphins under on Sunday night. Got a little bit of positive turnover variance to catch that total. But futures wise for me, if we want to do a little bit of a recap, Cashed with the Cowboys to win the NFC East at plus 195. Bengals under 11 and a half. Probably got lucky that Burrow went down, but I also think they were going to go under the win total if he was healthy. And Dennis Allen, coach of the year. I had a very, very small bet on that. I also got an email this morning saying that Dennis Allen is the least successful coach in NFL history. So bit of a reminder about my terrible coach of the year bet. And then I have Ravens to win the Super Bowl 25 to 1 going back to May, I think. How did your NFL futures bats go? Any funny ones when you look back on them? Any profitable ones? That you funny guessed? in the sense of they're embarrassing. And I laughed at yes. them when I looked back at them. Uh, Mac Jones passing over. That one didn't go so well. Same for Ryan Tannehill. A couple quarterbacks I had too much faith in that they could stay on the field this year. And then the opposite hilarious one that I had no faith he could stay on the field, but he ends up staying on the field, but maybe didn't deserve it was Sam Howell. He's like, he was like leading the league late in the season and passing. I thought he would be benched at some point and that just didn't happen. Even though it probably should have the way he was playing for the second half of the season. And then they did try to bench him and the universe was so lined up against me on that one that, 
even the week they try to bench him, Jacoby Brissett pulls his hamstring and doesn't play. <laughs> so, yeah, not it was it was majorly a year to forget in NFL futures. I, I had some decent ones that were live that were long shots, but the, they just didn't come home. Not necessarily like long shots in the sense of, you know, that's like a long shot in the market, but like Micah Parsons to lead the NFL in sacks was 10 to 1. I think that was a good bet, but he didn't get there. And uh, some really bad ones too, like Tony Pollard leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns, and he gets six? I mean... With that offense. Who could have ever imagined that he would look this washed this year, though? I mean, that was crazy. So, whatever. You know, it was worth a punt, I think, but didn't come home. Like I said, year year to forget all around for me in the NFL this year, right down to the Chiefs being... uh, not as strong as everyone expected, including myself. So uh, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Maybe things will pick up from here. Hey, got to be positive. And let's not forget, like I alluded from the get-go, you had a profitable weekend when it came to poker, and you also had a fun DGEN story to go along with it. So share it with our listeners and viewers. Yeah, it was it was a great time. So I ended up final tabling this local $600 tournament. Um I did end up winning, so that was nice. Uh, but could you give a rough estimate of the winnings? Yeah, forty-five k. So it was a good, uh, it was a good weekend. But it's pretty fun. <laughs> as I'm at the final table, this guy on my left, him and his buddy were in town for the weekend for the tournament. They were. It was literally a couple farm boys from South Dakota. Uh, so his buddy is like furiously sweating these games. Come to find out, he has a fourteen parlay. He fired $600 on it, and he was playing like a pretty big cash game the previous night I saw him. So I'm like, you know, thinking this is like a pretty normal amount for him to be betting, $600, whatever. Uh, Come to find out, it's literally his first sports bet ever. And he hits the first three legs, which I can't remember what they were, but they were all in the noon slate. And then he only needed Packers to close it out for $7,800. He's like coming over frantic, furious, asking his buddy if he should hedge live. He's like, well, you know, the Bears are plus six and a half right now. I could just bet bet the Bears live. And then I, I could scoop it all if, if they win by three. You know, I'm like just <laughs> laughing at this guy. You know, it's just pretty entertaining. And uh, yeah, he he ends up winning, right? He doesn't hedge. He scoops it. He comes over. He's so excited. And then he's just walking around with the biggest grin on his face. I was like, that guy's in trouble. I was like, he's going to think he's going to be a millionaire next year. Keep firing 14 parlays every week. So we all had a good laugh at the table about that. Then he comes back and we were joking with him about that. And he's like, no, no, it's the complete opposite. He's like, I'm never doing this again. I'm not built for this. <laughs> he, was, he was saying he was like hyperventilating over there trying to watch the last leg of his parlay. <laughs> he could like barely stand it. It was pretty funny. But yeah, he scooped 7,800. So that was good for him. Uh, fun, fun day for the South Dakota Farm Boys. One of them final tables, the big tournament. One of them scoops a four-teamer. So good for them. I thought at the beginning of your story that uh, listen, congrats to the guy I'm not trying to veer my attention away from that. But I thought he used the word scoop, but then it turned out you used the word scoop four times in your story. I tallied that. Yes. So I didn't know that was one of your go-to words, but it's apparently a poker it is. word. It's a poker word. It's a poker word. Okay. Got it. Well, kind of on a similar line of thought, at least with degeneracy, 
I saw this story over the weekend that a group that signed up in the circuit contest over the summer, thinking it was Circa Survivor, they ended up signing up for Circa Millions by accident, and they ended up placing in that contest. So not that it's, I mean, you have a guy placed in a 14 parlay sweating bullets, and that's sometimes the complete opposite of guys that are betting millions of dollars and not watching those games and just looking at the results after the contest concludes in their account. This where you're what the entry fee, I think for both contests was around a grand. So you enter the wrong contest and you end up winning six figures, something like that. Pretty wild. Did you see in the survivor one of the final four, which I didn't see if they all went through, I'm guessing they did, but I don't know. I know I'm, I'm pretty sure they made a deal. So whatever, it was probably yeah. not like that huge of a sweat. But did you see that one of the final four misclicked on Thanksgiving and picked the Packers? He meant to pick the Lions. Well, he got fortunate or maybe he picked the right team and he just wanted to tell the story to make him <laughs> look mean, like a fool. <laughs> Nobody would ever take a plus. I, I would say, okay, if you ever going to do it, it's one of those Thanksgiving where it, there's like bottlenecks on, on some of the teams, especially like Detroit was minus seven and a half or whatever. So obviously a lot of people yeah. are going to be on them. But yeah, he said he misclicked. So it's believable for sure. Sometimes our biggest accidents end up being the things we don't regret in life. <laughs> Juxtaposed to the things we think are locks. And then it goes completely south. Fortunately for that guy, that didn't happen. Hopefully for us, bets end up going in a positive direction. And if you want to tail or fade our bets for the wild card round, you could do so. Use promo code the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back with BetMGM Sportsbook. If your first bet loses, if the bet wins, then don't get any bonus bets, but you cash your bet and move along. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. You could get all of our bets in real time in the Lines Discord channel. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. You could also check out all of our articles, all of the best bets column up later this week. Mo, I think is doing a weather report, and we'll get into the weather for two key AFC games coming up this weekend. Could have an impact on both. Also, play.thelines.com check out all of our free NFL playoff contests. We have some fun anytime touchdown, I think first touchdown actually, contests that you can participate in to win Amazon gift cards. And remember, they're free. So no stake needed, unlike Mo's $600 poker tournament when he ends up winning 45 k God bless you, Mo. How much did you sweat in that poker tournament, by the way? Because you were mentioning that guy who cashed his parlay was sweating bullets. So were you pretty calm, cool, or collected or the opposite? Confidence was peaking for sure. It got a little hairy at the end, but I just executed and things had things fell my way in a couple spots. I don't know. I just, especially compared to those guys in there, I just think kind of a big fish in a small pond here, I guess. Definitely probably the end boss of these tournaments, but you know, it is what it is. It's a, it's a small community here. I like it. Confident, Mo. Hopefully, he feels the same way about his bets in the playoffs. So, let's kick it off, Mo, with Browns at Texans. Cleveland, the number one wildcard team. So, the number five seed overall in the AFC playoff picture. 
Houston winds up winning the division because the Titans win outright against Jacksonville. You cashed on Tennessee, what, plus four. They end up closing, I think, around five with Lawrence starting, but didn't matter. Cleveland around a two and a half point road favorite, minus 120. There were some threes juiced in Houston's direction earlier this morning as we're recording this on Monday, but back down to two and a half pretty much across the board. Keep in mind, this one opened at one and a half, total between 43 and a half and 44. Cleveland won outright in Houston by 14 after closing minus three in their week 16 matchup. Won the yards per play battle 5.6 to 3.7, but C.J. Stroud, likely offensive rookie of the year, didn't play in that game. Joe Flacco with over eight yards per pass attempt. And Cleveland also seemingly healthier going into this one after resting all their starters in week 18 in that blowout loss to Cincinnati. But who cares about that result? Houston, though, some key injuries of note. Robert Woods, Noah Brown didn't play in that finale against Indianapolis in the regular season. Also, one of their sack leaders, Jonathan Greenard, is... Potentially out for this game. We'll see if he suits up. Didn't play against the Colts. Will Anderson also banged up. Potential defensive player of the year. Rookie defensive player of the year candidate. And if you look at some of the rookies, first round rookies, to start in a wild card game at quarterback. Last four rookies to do so that were taken in the first round. Mac Jones, Lamar Jackson, Andrew Luck, and Robert Griffin the third. They combined to go 0-4 straight up. And 0-4 against the spread, losing by an average margin of 15 points per game. Robert Griffin III got hurt midway through that. Who are they playing in the wild card game? I'm trying to... Was it Green Bay? I got nothing on this one. That was some time ago. Okay. I'll look it up when you're breaking down what you like or what you don't like in this game. But a first-round rookie quarterback has not won or covered in the wild card round since Mark Sanchez in 2009. He did that against the Chargers. I think the Jets closed around nine point dogs. CJ Stroud, though, second lowest interception rate of any rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era. We have seen a little bit of a different story when the Texans have faced a negative game script like they did against the Jets. He got hurt late in that game, keep in mind. But this Browns defense is also very different away from home. They allow... 215.9 yards per game at home this season compared to 331.3 on the road. That difference of around 115 yards per game is the largest drop off by the number one total defense since at least 1950. So stark differences for Cleveland on that side of the ball, home road splits, Mention the against the spread numbers when it comes to first round rookie quarterbacks, at least of late. Anything for you, Mo, in Browns at Texans. So one thing I would say about that trend, which I think you can somewhat believe in because of the inexperience factor. I, I do think one thing that you have to keep in mind there, though, I, I don't know all those games like you like I was talking about, but I think probably all those guys played on the road. I'm guessing. And being at home is a, is a lot different, you know, for, I think the more inexperienced slash questionable your quarterback play is the more being at home helps you. So playing at home here is, is big. And like you said, Brown's big home road splits as well on that defense. So not, not the worst spot for the Texans. I, I would discount that somewhat between the fact that they're at home and the fact that I, this is like the most, 
body language handicapping ever, but I really think CJ Stroud has like the it factor and, you know, he's so cool and has played in huge games, obviously going back to his days at Ohio state playing against basically a college all-star team in Georgia and dominating them, you know? So I don't think he's going to be rattled by playoff atmosphere. Obviously a tough opponent here, but I'm also, I'm still skeptical of this Browns offense. When I was doing some work about the Browns last week, I mean, their advanced numbers for Flacco are still pretty rough. Playing on the road here against a, a defense that has shown flashes at times and can get to the quarterback, you know. <clears throat> and, and we've seen all year some of the YOLO balls that Flacco is thriving on and likes to throw up. I mean, some of them are ridiculously accurate, whatever. You just don't know. If he can keep that up, it, it does honestly seem like a really high variance situation uh, in general. Like, I could see Texans winning this game by like seven points. You know, like, would it surprise me if Joe Flacco threw three picks and, and CJ Stroud played a relatively mistake free game and the final score was like, you know, 24 to 17 Texans? Not one bit. Uh, I, I also, you know, I do question this offensive line as well. I know that they're great on paper and have had a really good season. Still multiple backup tackles in there. Uh, and a quarterback with just absolutely no mobility. On the other side, though, Houston is... They got a double combo of rookie head coach, rookie quarterback here. You don't know how they're going to handle a playoff situation, especially, like I said, on the coaching side. Uh, I think D'Amico Ryans has done a great job, but you know, uh, prepping for playoff games is different. So this is a long winded way, I guess, of saying I lean to the Texans. I would play the Texans for sure at three. It's, I, it surprised me a lot. I haven't been like tracking the lines, uh, as much since I was busy in that poker tournament yesterday. I, it surprised me that you say it, it hit three this morning. I would like Texans at three. I think this line yeah. seems a little bit too high, but I, I think I need three to play it. And you factor in Houston closed or didn't close, but they opened as a, I think, two, two and a half point home favorite in that week 16 game before Stroud was announced out with a concussion and missed two games. So market may be giving the Browns too much credit at this point though. I would probably rather tease the Texans up. So that's probably the look for me. I was thinking about that too. <laughs> I like that, but the problem is what do you tease it with? There's like, there's like nothing else. That's good. Tease it I, with I the mean, there's, okay. Yeah. Well, you could just get three there, though. But you could tease it with Cowboys, but it's like we both like no. the other side of that. Spoiler alert. So I don't think that's an option, but that's like the obvious one, right? Right, right. We'll get to Eagles, Bucks. That one, three, <laughs> two and a half. So, I mean, there still are some two and a half minus one ten both ways where you are teasing through the key number of seven. And it's not like it's getting out into the nine, nine and a half, ten territory quite yet. I also don't see a closing. I kind of see a closing where it's at minus three, even money in Philly's direction. But maybe it goes the other way and it's three minus one ten both ways if A.J. Brown is deemed healthy for that game. But we'll get into that game a bit later. So that's our breakdown of Browns Texans. Teaser leg potentially for me on Houston. Be on the lookout for potential bet there in the Discord channel. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. On to the Peacock game. Taylor Swift fans, Swifties have to subscribe to Peacock to watch 
Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs take on the Dolphins. Also, Tyree Kill taking on his former team in primetime. Kansas City, a three and a half point home favorite. This one opened for a brief moment at minus one and a half, total of 44. That market opened at 47 and a half. 10 degrees, possibly you're looking at that temperature. Negative eight, wind chill, gusts up to 29 miles per hour. Slight chance of snow. I'm hearing rumors that Mo could be attending this game. Good luck to you in the conditions. If you do, I know you've been to some cold games. It's not like it's your first radio, but... Kansas City is healthy going into this game, seemingly after resting their starters against the Chargers in Week 18. But the Dolphins, on the flip side, are banged up defensively in a big way. Van Ginkle got hurt in the season finale against the Bills in that blown fourth-quarter lead to Buffalo, losing the division title as a result. Also, they're one of their outside linebackers got banged up on that. Special teams touchdown for Buffalo. The punt return for six. Xavier Howard, we don't know his status for this game. Jalen Phillips, one of their best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher on Miami, on injured reserve. Tyree Kill looked a little gimpy. Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mostert missed the Bills game. So a lot up in the air. You would think Mostert and Waddell are back, but who knows? Initial handicap, Mo, for you on Chiefs and Dolphins. And if you go back to the London game, remember that Kansas City won by seven and recovered a fumble and returned it for six to close out the first half, which wound up being the deciding factor in that one. Yeah, I think that's maybe not giving the Chiefs enough credit for that one. I would remind you that an extremely silly penalty by Chris Jones was the only reason the Dolphins got back in that game. So they were they would have been like fourth and long kicking a long field goal a medium length field goal there so that that was obviously immense for them but i think it was uh the right the right team won that game i think uh <clears throat> this one i'm going to sound like a broken record on some of these games where there was a move i think this one definitely i think the move is right for sure i i guess i'm more alluding to the totals but the move is is right for me. I just think this is a good line. Maybe slightly into the Chiefs. They did get basically a bye. You have Tua in bad weather. It just seems like a good situational spot for KC against a team that just has not shown they can compete really with the stronger teams on their schedule. They kind of got spanked by the Bills. You know, Josh Allen, multiple silly turnovers. Uh, just completely unnecessary plays that... You know, if he just swallows some of those plays, the Bills probably win that game pretty easily. Um, yeah, do the Dolphins have any pass rushers left? That's obviously a big one. I mean, you said maybe the best player, uh, maybe the best pass rusher. Jay I think Jalen Phillips is by far their best pass rusher. Every time I watch that guy, I'm so impressed with him. I think he's just an awesome player, but really unfortunate. Uh, I think he tore his Achilles. Um, so that's pretty sad. And, and yeah, even... Uh, <clears throat> Was it Van Ginkle, Siler? I don't know. Some of their other linebackers were banged up, I think, for this one. It's getting pretty thin there. I know Vic Fangio is a wizard, but just at some point, you need the the Jimmies and the Joes, right? So I kind of wish this was a normal weather game because then I could have gotten under without three and a half points of steam hitting it. Like, when Steven texted me that this opened 47 and a half, I thought that was like insanely high. 
and I didn't even know much about the weather. Just handicapping the way these teams, especially, you know, the, we've talked about all year, the Chiefs offense fits and starts, just hasn't been consistent. But their defense, especially, like, they match up so well against Miami. We saw that last time they played. I mean, this coverage unit is so good. And they are just so reliant on Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle beating the coverage, making big plays. And, and this Miami team, with, with the injuries to their offense, I mean, they just don't have as much speed and playmaking as they normally do. I, I would have loved to get under 47 and a half, but unfortunately that number got smashed. Uh, so that's gone. You, you do just wonder about the chiefs offense, of course, uh, but they, they still have some soft spots to attack now. I mean, with Eli Apple playing now, I think assuming Howard isn't back. Right. And he's just like, whatever at this point, anyways, that Kuhu guy that, Diggs roasted in week three or whatever that was, you know, I, the chiefs can attack these guys. I think they're a better, are team. they going to, are they going to convert though? I mean, right. I hate it's to sound like, like a brokered record too, but Kansas City <laughs> leading the league in drops. You got to hold on to the ball. You got to not fumble. I think the chiefs are a better team than the dolphins. So playing at home here to his playoff debut, it really does seem like it should be a Chiefs W. I just, it's hard to trust this offense to run away from anybody. I, I think it's pretty fair. I don't really see myself betting it, but would understand if somebody wanted to take the Chiefs here. I'm with you on the number being fair. And a lot of people upset that they didn't grab the opener and that rose in a hurry. So, speaking of the Dolphins and losing the AFC East to the Bills, Buffalo had a 12% chance to make the playoffs after. Blowing a lead to Philly in overtime. And the Eagles have been a disaster class pretty much ever since. So Buffalo winds up not only making the playoffs, but winning the division with that victory on Sunday night. This line at some shops, believe it or not, opened Bills minus seven and a half against Pittsburgh. Circa, very sharp sports book, opened Buffalo minus 11. It's now pretty much consensus. Bills minus 10 total, 35 and a half. That market opened at 43, and the total, like Kansas City, Miami, is going down in a hurry if you look at the <laughs> weather in Buffalo. High of 25 degrees with a good chance of snow, 63% chance for precipitation as of this recording. Winds could be 15 to 25 miles per hour on Sunday. I know the Steelers snuck into the playoffs, Mo, but 10-7 and seven with a negative 20-point differential. Nine of their 10 wins came by one score. No TJ Watt, who is arguably the most impactful defender when it comes to the point spread in the NFL. I know Micah Fitzpatrick is likely going to be back. And the Bills have their fair share of injuries, too, to be on the lookout for. Gabe Davis got hurt against Miami on Sunday night. Tyrell Dotson, big-time linebacker for Buffalo, or at least with all their injuries on that side of the ball and at that position. And Razul Douglas also... Very likely going to need a week to get back. And that bill secondary turned it around in a big way ever since acquiring him and getting him up to par with this scheme after the bye week. So kind of similar to Kansas City, Miami. I think this, I think both markets spread and total spot on for me. Maybe Buffalo winds up winning this game by 25, 30 points. Would I be surprised? Absolutely not. Am I going to bet it with that line of thought? Probably not. What about you? Yeah, no play here on the side for me. Slightest lean to Steelers, but 
don't think I'm that interested in betting it. I did not realize Rasul got hurt. So this is one of the things when I'm busy in these poker tournaments on my poker. We, I, I miss the injuries sometimes. Like I, I don't have time to lock in on all the games when I'm locked in at the table, right? So that's sad for me because I love watching Rasul Douglas. He just this guy just has such a nose for the ball. I mean, he just he's aggressive and and makes a lot of big plays. So I'm a big fan of Rasul. I thought he helped Green Bay a lot when they signed him, basically off the couch. I think so. It's been a really nice comeback for him. I am actually interested in this total though. I wonder if this has gotten bet too far. I do kind of want to bet the over here. I, I'm I'm close to pulling the trigger on the over. You have a quarterback for for the Bills in Josh Allen who, if you were to construct a quarterback for playing in bad weather, I think you would just make Josh Allen, right? Like, <laughs> he, he's would a tank. Would you make Mason Rudolph? Probably not. <laughs> he's just a, like, so he's like a tank running the ball, right? Converts every short yardage situation. Although, we did see that fail against the Dolphins late, which was pretty impressive by the Dolphins. And, and, and the right call, it looked like to me despite having the bills, I really would have liked to see them convert that, but I think it was right that they called it short. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the guy has a rocket for an arm. Uh, so that helps obviously when there's wind. And like I said, he's just a tank running the ball. So dude is pretty much built in a lab for playing in cold weather. Obviously the question is like, can the Steelers contribute? <laughs> so I think they can score some points, though. I mean, their running game has still been pretty impressive. It was looking good in the plays I watched against the Ravens. I didn't get to catch a ton of that game, maybe like a couple quarters. But against backups. I know I know Baltimore wasn't playing all backups for full 60 minutes, but, I mean, to start the game, like half of their defense wasn't on the field or close to it. Yeah. It's still not that easy to run the ball on professional second stringers you know like and they've looked pretty solid their run blocking has been pretty solid in most of the games i watched the Steelers. so i think they can squeeze out you know 14 13 points whatever and and help get this to over 35 and a half is the number you kind of alluded to it but i don't think you actually threw the number out i i was told there was a 43 at open i think and this there is like was, down yeah. eight points I just wonder if that's too far. I, I like I said, the Bills. I do find myself questioning this passing game. Still, it was better versus Miami. Josh Allen put up a ton of yards, but still looked fitful at times. And I don't know, Stephon Diggs. It was good to see Stephon Diggs get back in the win column. Basically, have a halfway decent game after what's been an absolutely atrocious second half of the season for him. This is a really good spot for him. I mean, Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid, I think those guys should eat over the middle against the Steelers team that just plays a lot of zone and can really be beaten over the middle a lot. We saw that, especially in like the Packers game. Jordan Love was just dicing them over the middle in the deep to intermediate zones, and Josh Allen can hit these throws for sure. So there's going to be opportunities for the Bills to move the ball. So I think if the Steelers contribute anything points-wise between 10 and 20, this is going to be live. I might fire this over. So two lines of thought for me, because you go back to Sunday night, Bills miss four huge scoring opportunities. First one, Allen throws a pick in the end zone, I think on third and goal. Then he throws another interception on fourth and short. Misses either this was in between those two sequences or afterwards. Wide open Stephon Diggs for a touchdown 
missed him over the top and then throws it short of the goal line before the end of the half and bills don't get any points there. Now on the flip side, Pittsburgh, if they do compete in this game, I know you said that you had a slight, slight, slight lean towards Steelers. I think you're probably not going to bet it. Steelers have the slowest adjusted pace in the NFL and Buffalo third slowest among playoff teams. I should say in the wild card round, Buffalo ranks, I think we're looking at, yeah, bottom three, and then Pittsburgh dead last in adjusted pace. So like I said, Bills left some points on the board, but traditionally, typically, they're not trying to go hurry up until the final two minutes or in a negative game script. Pittsburgh, if they want any shot of winning this game, you're not dropping back Mason Rudolph 30, 35 times. You're establishing the run, even though that's a lost art in a, sarcastic sense and you're trying to drain clock and keep Josh Allen off the field. Can you do so against the bills? Probably not, but if the Steelers somehow get some turnover variance, positive turnover variance and Rudolph somehow takes advantage of no Rasul Douglas, maybe Steelers keep this game close and the game goes under. I agree with you in terms of Allen being able to take advantage of this Pittsburgh secondary and those linebackers in particular, but the pace kind of scares me off of it and the weather for that matter, but total, the market may be adjusted for it already. Oh yeah. I definitely adjusted. Uh, Yeah. I would say one thing about the Steelers is if when, when Rudolph does drop back, he does tend to look deep quite a bit. It seems like like, it really seems like there's more of an effort to attack deep with Rudolph in there which I think is is right. Um, Pickett has never impressed me doing anything deep. So <clears throat> when your receivers are good at working deep, which I think Deontay can be at times and definitely George Pickens is, it's a good adjustment, I think. So we could see some splash plays from the Steelers here too. But then again, on the on the other side of that is the, those are going to be the plays most affected by, by wind. You know, the, the deeper down the field you're throwing, the worse off you are at that point. So in that sense, like the weather might favor the bills, even though in general, I think usually chaos favors the underdog. So it's kind of points both ways in that sense. On to the middle game on the Sunday slate of the three Packers at Cowboys, Dallas, a seven and a half point favorite total of 50 and a half. It's up from the open of 48 and a half since week nine, Mo. Dak Prescott, highest EPA per drop back, plus completion percentage over expected composite ranking. Jordan Love, number two in the NFL in that category. So about half the season, and this Packers offense has taken off ever since Love got comfortable and the Packers offensive line got healthy for that matter. And in that regard, Dallas, I think defensively, we could both agree, they really hinge on being able to generate pressure. And the Packers have the second best pass block win rate in the NFL, Dallas allowing the highest rushing success rate in the league. Aaron Jones is healthy, and we saw how much of a difference that made against the Bears and a very stout Bears run defense at that in the Week 18 finale. Jones was really explosive. And you could argue, let's just say Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs miss this game. I think Watson has a shot to play. Dobbs may have been precautionary. He got hit hard in the chest. Dropped the touchdown. Packers also missed a ton of scoring opportunities against the Bears, which may have somewhat inflated this number by a bit. If the Packers had blown out Chicago, which was very much in the realm of possibility, if they converted on 
field goals, scoring opportunity before the half, then a couple drop touchdowns. This line may be closer to six and a half, seven. But let's just say Watson and Dobbs don't play. I think you could argue that Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks are the two best Packers receivers on this team, even with a healthy Watson and Dobbs. Now, maybe the argument is with Watson just because of his size advantage, but we both discussed how Reed is the most explosive receiver in this Packers lineup. And on the flip side of the ball, Packers have the sixth highest pressure rate in the league. We saw that make a difference against a pretty good Bears offensive line. And I think this Cowboys offensive line is a little more vulnerable than some realized. Tyler Smith at left guard and Steele, especially at right tackle, give up Steele in particular, a decent amount of pressures. I make this line, I think this kind of caps it. Cowboys closer to five and a half, maybe a little below that. So seven and a half with Green Bay was a bet for me over the key number of seven. That play is in the Lions Discord channel. Link is over at the lines.com in the top right-hand corner. Mo, you said you're on Green Bay too. So looks like we're going to lose this one together. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, I thought not quite as confident as you. Uh, I thought six was maybe fair. Um, I'm going to have some Packers plus three and a half alternate for sure as well. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, pretty much everything you said is in my notes. I mean, dude, Green Bay dominated Chicago, which Chicago has been playing pretty solid football. Like I have had Chicago in the top half of my power rankings for a solid month now, I think. So for them to come out and just whip the bears, which the scoreboard doesn't show it, but they really did. I mean, plus three yards per play. And especially on offense, they did whatever they wanted that entire game. I mean, pretty much every time the Packers had the ball, they were marching up and down the field. It, it was really shocking how easily they uh, moved the ball on the bears. Um, you know, hats off to green Bay. They played a great game and I just, obviously my worry is on the other side of the ball. I, I don't know how they're going to get stops. The Packers are, Pretty they're healthier though. Bad on defense. I think they're going to gash Dallas though. Like you said, Aaron Jones is going to have some lanes, and when there's lanes, there's not too many players I want attacking those lanes more than Aaron Jones. That guy hits the hole hard, and I don't know, man. I I just I'm a little worried for my my Cowboys bet, and that that's like one of the things about this game. You you and I have been I think higher than the market on the Cowboys pretty much all year, and we both like. Green Bay. So I think Green Bay must be a good bet since we actually are like respecting Dallas in general. Um, yeah. Wicks being back, Reed being back, obviously massive. They're, they're going to be close to full strength on offense. I think the big key is just going to be getting pressure on Dak. We've seen his mechanics and his, you know, he doesn't have the strongest arm, especially. So if he's kind of off platform, he can have some ugly throws at times and, Green Bay, like you said, they are able to pressure the quarterback. So that's going to be the big key because I don't see them getting consistent stops in the secondary or up front, really. So it's just going to be all about kind of in the same way Miami did to Dallas. Just they were giving up chunks here and there, but then they would just get a big play, you know, get pressure a couple times in a row, and all of a sudden it's third and 10 and they get a stop. So I think if Green Bay can just put a couple of those together, they're going to be in a good spot here. I'm worried for my Dallas 10 to one. So that's not the reason I'm playing green Bay, but I am playing green Bay and going to hope for a Dallas three point win. Let's go back to that Cowboys lions game. And I also think that result, which Dallas probably should have lost to Detroit. If the ref didn't blow the 
two-point conversion for Detroit to the offensive lineman. And it was funny because Lions ended up reporting eligible with, I think, at least one of their tackles four or five times against the Vikings, kind of making a point to the NFL. But if Dak throws or doesn't throw the ball on their second to last, yeah, second to last true or final true offensive possession, Cowboys threw a couple passes. And if it's all runs, I think you run out the clock or at least give Detroit very little time to come back in that game. So I know it's Mike McCarthy against his former team, but I'd be worried about coaching malpractice when it comes to clock mismanagement. Matt LaFleur also screwed up the final two minutes before the half yesterday against Chicago, not calling a timeout with a minute 50, letting the clock wind down for the bears to, I think, kick a field goal or punt it, whichever it was. And then I know, the Packers made a mistake not getting out of bounds on that would-be field goal attempt to go up two possessions to end the half. But still, you would have given Jordan Love and the Packers offense 40 more seconds. Yes, one last time out, but you probably take 40 more seconds. So coaching concerns on both fronts, to say the least. But I make this game, like I head on, closer to five and a half. So I really like Green Bay in this spot. And I like your old play. I think the Packers have a shot to win this one outright, but at the very least, Packers over the key number of seven is a bet for me. And finale on Sunday night, two quarterbacks against their former teams when it comes to Matt Stafford and Jared Goff. Matt Stafford, I think the reports were he wanted out of Detroit, so he got traded and flipped for Goff along with draft compensation. Lions are three and a half point home favorites. This line is kind of flexed back and forth between the key number of three and three and a half, but it's back up to three and a half pretty much across the board. If not juiced in Detroit's direction at three and total of 52, this one opened at 51. So in a dome, you would expect a higher scoring game, at least on the surface, Sam Laporta, Dan Campbell came out on Monday saying that Laporta's knee injury was a little less concerning than it may have been on at least Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. But Still outside shot of playing. We'll see if the day-to-day report comes to fruition or not, and he ends up suiting up. Maybe a long shot questionable tag at this point, but I have no idea what Dan Campbell was doing, man, going back to that Sunday game against the Vikings, and I was obviously pissed off because I bet the Vikings (laughs) with that line of thought, but Laporta gets hurt. St. Brown, a little bit of a hamstring tweak midway through that game, a rib injury, whichever it was, and then Khalif Raymond also got hurt with any injury lions are healthier on the defensive side of the ball with Ali McNeil back on the defensive line. And also CJ Gardner Johnson giving that line secondary, which is very exploitable got burned by another number one receiver in Justin Jefferson on Sunday. And if you look at this Rams offense since week 11, since Matt Stafford came back from that finger injury, Rams ranked number four in EPA per play behind the Niners Packers and Cowboys. Any potential bets for you in this one, though? First off, I want to say you wouldn't make a good poker player. Just not not a strong enough. You got to read the man in these spots, Eli. You just you didn't his, believe that Can- Dan Campbell was a lunatic and was going to actually go for the win here. His second best receiver gets hurt. Listen, in the first half, I'm not telling you. 
we should, I'm not telling you you're wrong, but you're thinking about what a rational, normal human being would do in this spot. This is a lunatic, former meat, you know, football player meathead. He's not going to go out there and punt this one off. It's just, it's not in his DNA, man. You have well, to. Well, Vikings also could have covered despite all those. Yeah, that's true. But I'm just saying <laughs> your reasoning was off because you didn't have the right read on Dan Campbell. Okay. I had okay, the read bro. on Campbell and he came out and he went for it. And I'm not saying it was right. He's a lunatic. And let me tell you, our boss, Brett Colson, was not happy. He also picked the Vikings and. He was just like, so, dude, they were throwing up 10 with a minute left. I mean, that was insanity. <laughs> that was bizarre. You could have gotten Reynolds hurt. I think he caught both of those screen passes or whatever it was. Yeah, I had no idea what they were doing. They could have kneeled the ball on the end of the game. That was just like thumbing in the eye of like every human being who like understands, you know, rational thinking, honestly. Anyways, <laughs> getting down to this game. Yeah, you do have a Lions defense that is struggling, but yeah, with McNeil back and with CJ Deuce, he comes back and just instantly gets a pick. What a legend. I've always thought that guy could play. Against Nick Mullins. I mean Yeah. Those are those should count for half for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you do have a Lions secondary that has been pretty poor, obviously, all year because because every other part of the defense is solid. Like they're good up front and they get pressure on the quarterback. So you know it's the secondary. Um, facing a Rams passing game that's been just shredding people basically for the last month and a half, two months, whatever it is. But what really has me lean into the Lions in this spot is a couple things, which number one, this offense for the Rams has been taking off since Kyron Williams came back. He has been, seemed like honestly, like the skeleton key of some sort here, like Crazy to say that about a random running back in this system, but fifth rounder, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's just, they've looked so much better since he came back. And you do have a Lions defense that is very solid up front versus the run. Like I said, top five in both rush defense DVOA and uh, EPA per play allowed, and also sixth in adjusted line yards. So just no matter which metric you look at, this is a strong unit. And the pressure rate as well is very good. Third in pressure rate and I've talked about it all year when Matt Stafford can't move anymore. You know, he's very reliant on his protection at this point in his career. So I think they might get a few more stops than the numbers are saying here, especially with CJ Deuce back in the secondary. It's probably a little better than the numbers. And I don't see these wide receivers for the Rams as being like, like Cooper cup is not what he was a couple years ago. And Puka Love him, dragged one of my fantasy teams to the finish line. But I don't think he's like a dominator that's going to just break a defense single-handedly. I don't view him in that tier, you know, with Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, these type of guys. And and then, on the, you know, you do have a Detroit offensive line on the other side of the ball that that is really strong in the middle. So they do have the horses to match up with Aaron Donald. I kind of think the Lions should be slightly bigger favorites. I had this at four and a half. I'm thinking about betting the Lions. It's at three. I'm playing the Lions for sure. I know there's a lot of market belief in the Rams and they've been underrated for many weeks now. They keep outperforming the market and and I was on a lot of that for them. You know, I've been impressed with them. I just, 
I think people are not realizing how good this Lions offense is too, though. They are destroying teams. So I'm interested in the Lions. I'm kind of with you. I don't think I'm going to bet Detroit, but we'll see if it gets back down to maybe a juice three. There may be one up at that MGM and you could use that bonus code that I mentioned earlier. The Lions won war to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet loses, maybe it's Lions minus three, a juice minus three, but Rams rank number 21 in pass block win rate. So to your point, Detroit should be able to get pressure, especially if the Rams get in a negative game script and also, can they run the football, which you touched on a ton with a really, really good Lions rushing defense. You used all the metrics to back it up. Also, you look at this Rams schedule of late during this stretch that helped them get into the playoffs where they've won seven of eight games. Close win against the Seahawks at home. Cardinals blowout win on the road. That's when Kyron came back. Stafford came back the week before against Seattle. Browns, they demolished them, and Flacco's, I think, second, or might have been his first start, actually. It was, with I think, his first, yeah. Yeah, we touched on how different that Browns defense is, home road splits. At Baltimore, so that's probably their most impressive showing against a pretty good defense. Commanders, they win that game by a possession. At the Saints, win that, or against the Saints, Thursday Night Football, win that game by eight against an overrated Saints defense that still probably should have won the division. Bucks got pretty fortunate against the Panthers, but I digress. Had a Carolina bet in week 18. Wasn't too happy about that. They get lucky. Easily could have lost to the Giants in week 17, which would have hampered their playoff hopes. And then they win at the 49ers with Carson Wentz covering, I think, as four-point dogs. And those were against backups. Which defense scares you outside of the Ravens? And maybe the Browns just because, yes, their home road splits are stick out but still a very good defense overall i i think that was also like miles garrett banged up in that game if i'm remembering right i'd have to go back yeah. and look but yeah i was gonna say the same thing it, it's just it's what do these teams have in common these are all poor pass rushes for the most part i mean they're not all poor but it's mostly a collection of weak pass rushes so and that's a that's a great point because we saw it at least in the second half against the giants and i know the giants Second, I think in blitz rate in the NFL, Vikings cleared everybody and then some this year with Brian Flores, but they blitzed Stafford a ton and got home a lot in the second half. There were some 17. ugly sacks in that game. Big ones too, like 10 yard sacks where guys are just knifing in immediately and just missed missed protections clearly, you know, but, but when someone does that, Stafford is helpless at this point. Like that's basically what was happening every time. And yeah, the Giants don't have a good pass rush. Like they get all their mileage out of blitzing. And yeah, I, I just, I'm worried about this Rams offense. I don't think it's quite as strong as it's looked. I, I give them credit and Sean McVay's done great work. And like I said, Kyron Williams, tremendous Puka, really impressive season. They're not bad by any means. They're, they're good. I, I just think when the team can get pressure on Stafford, and I just think, like you, like we were talking about, with the Lions getting some key pieces back on defense, they're probably a little better than their numbers. So, yeah, I also lean to the under here. It is a monster total, 51 and a half, 52. I think that's a little bit too high, but yeah, I, I do like the Lions a bit. So we'll see where this moves. And if it does move to three, 
I think I'm going to have to play the Lions. Kind of feels like a square dog with the Rams. Not that I'm one to say, oh, the public dog of the week or whatever you may call it. But I think this line is a little short. Not saying I'm going to bet Detroit, but I'm with you in your line of thought. And then also key injury to monitor just because of how weak the Rams secondary is when it comes to depth. Safety Jordan Williams ankle injury against the Niners in that regular season finale. Rams rested a lot of pieces, but him being banged up would hamper an already exploitable Rams secondary, at least when it comes to star power in that secondary. They don't have a lot to compete with against a very, very good Lions offense overall and receiving core for that matter. St. Brown should have a big day, but you would expect his receiving yards prop to be yeah, pretty, pretty sure. high, I mean, to say the least. Yeah, name we should shout real quick that I don't think we've even maybe mentioned on this podcast the entire season is getting some love in head coaching interviews already. I think you alluded to it a bit with how you talked about this secondary and and these these pieces in general on this Rams defense. I mean, this is, we, we talked about it in the preseason, just a bunch of no names. I mean, Raheem Morris has done an incredible job with these guys. Not that the Rams have some kind of world-beating defense because they definitely don't, but like to even be in the realm of like average with the pieces they have on paper, it was really impressive. This is a bad collection of talent. It's a threadbare unit. You have Aaron Donald, who's still elite, but right, like of you, course. but I, I mean, this Lions offensive line is also elite, especially with Ragnow back, and he missed some latter middle chunk of the season and one of the Bears games, I think. And Bears defense was able to get pressure on Goff with him in the lineup along this offensive line, borderline elite, if not elite. So I'm with you. Lions are pass. On to the Monday night postseason matchup. Monday night football, essentially. Pretty crappy wild card game, though. Eagles at Bucks. Philly, two and a half, three even money. On the road at Tampa Bay, we touched on that spread earlier. Total of 44. The line did touch Eagles minus one and a half when A.J. Brown suffered that knee injury against the Giants. But it doesn't seem it's like it's going to be as serious as it seemed like on the surface and some Twitter doctors, ox doctors out there thought. Eagles 11 and 6 with a plus five point differential. Man, they failed to cover in each of their last six games. Bucks also got plenty of luck. And I that's not saying the Eagles got luck because they clearly didn't when it came to the point spread and beating the market down the stretch. But Bucks against the Panthers, DJ Shark fumbling at the goal line. This is going back to the week 18 game. I had Carolina plus six. I think you had some Panthers plus four. So Panthers fumble a touchdown that would have put them up what seven three, seven nothing. Two dropped interceptions, a missed 52 yard field goal, handing the Bucks, not necessarily handing the Bucks, because it's not like a 57 yard field goal is three down the half, but still, they conceded that one. And then a false start on a touchdown run in the fourth quarter, where would have helped them cover. And next play, Bryce Young fumbles the football. Bucks kind of walked into an NFC South title and may have had a little bit more fun betting the point spread Eagles Saints. I may have touched the Saints. I'm a little higher on the Saints than the market, but it's the Bucks in the playoffs against the Eagles. And if you go back to that week three matchup, Philly covered as five-point road favorites, one by 14. Baker Mayfield, just 4.9 yards per attempt, struggled against pressure and in poor conditions. 
I doubt I'm going to touch this game unless it winds up being a teaser like for me with the Texans at Bucks eight and a half, Texans eight and a half. Anything for you? I think I like the Bucks at three. Man, I do remember that. That's funny because I do remember that that Bucks Eagles game. I slammed Eagles in that game. And it would be funny if I'm just on Bucks now, but I, I just I don't know what's left of this Eagles team, man. I, I don't know how much of that game was just like they punted that Giants game and how much of it was just that's merely the next step in a continued downfall for the entire second half of the season from this team, which even you and I who were low on the Eagles pretty much from jump would have never dreamed they would be this bad, I don't think. Well, I think it was truly water meeting its level because the regression from last year didn't happen until it all happened at once. Yeah, I think that's fair. I've never been that high on the Eagles. I have never been that high on Jalen Hurts specifically. I think he's a pretty unreliable passer, although he can be incredibly accurate at times. But when you have a sub NFL level arm, I think it hampers him at times. And yeah, just getting so much mileage, obviously out of having two elite targets on the edge, but two elite targets that we don't know how healthy they are at this point. I mean, AJ Brown, so much of what he brings to is like after the catch value and when you are injured, I think that's going to affect his power at the very least. And that is obviously quite important for some of the big plays he makes. Devontae Owens would tell you otherwise. <laughs> Devontae Smith hurting. Um, that was incredible what the Giants did. I cannot believe I'm stunned that the Eagles just laid down and got steamrolled like that. In a I game where I bet New York, yeah, I let's not talk about how I bet that game. Um, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it's like you said, the Bucks aren't very good either. I, I mean, this team is is not very strong, and because they're so weak running the ball too, like they are entirely reliant on Baker throwing to Godwin and Big Mike, so. They're just a very one-dimensional team in general, I think. I don't know. I kind of feel like I just hope somebody looks impressive in this game so that we can fade them in the next round. That's like my biggest hope for this game. But I do kind of think the Bucks shouldn't be plus three at home, man. It would be it would be a, an ugly sweat, I think. But I, I'm thinking about pulling the trigger on the Bucks. I, I was opposite. I hate betting this coaching staff, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. But Tampa Bay, on that note, plus eight in turnover differential this year, which is pretty well above league average. Philly, minus 10. So Bucks have kind of gotten fortunate, if you believe in positive luck with turnovers. Other teams in that mix, Pittsburgh, plus 11, but they're pretty much in the upper echelon of that category every single season. Still, when you look at their record, and like I said, minus 20 point differential with nine wins coming by one score. I mean, how much luck can you get? And they got a lot of it. Texans plus 10 in turnover differential. And then Dallas also plus 10 with some pick sixes going to Ron plans way that hopefully he doesn't get those against Jordan love and our Packers bet. But yeah, I have no reason to bet the bucks at three. Maybe I touch the teaser leg. And both defenses are also very vulnerable. We haven't really touched on that. Tampa Bay 
ranks number 22 in EPA per drop back allowed Eagles rank 28th. The secondary I was, was going to say, I wonder about this total. I, I think it's a little bit low. I, I'm with you there. I, I think there could be some points here. Just, just two least, like, pretty explosive passing offenses at times against defenses that, like you said, just can't be trusted whatsoever. And we don't know Darius Slay's status just yet, but if Bradbury's playing on the outside again, continuously like he has over the last, what, three or four weeks, Eagles secondary is in trouble, and it probably already is if Slay comes back, and Bucks is too. So I'm not saying this is Tampa or a pass. I'm not saying hammer the Bucks. Could be an overbet. Don't hate that look, but teaser leg or pass for me with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I get that. And and like I said, it, it is a mismatch on the outside. I didn't really mention that, but like you were alluding to, with this, these Eagles DBs, not only hurting, but just performing pretty poorly all season, facing off against a really strong Tampa Bay wide receiver core. Even guys like Cade Otten and Trey Palmer can do damage. It's a really nice collection of weapons for Baker Mayfield. So I, I'm a little bit interested in the Bucks, but they are just not very good, but... Dude, the Eagles have right. just stunk for two months, basically. Also on the injury front, it wasn't really a storyline just because Baker was okay and Panthers dropped two picks. So maybe it would have been more of a headline if they convert on those, quote unquote. But the rib injury seemed to kind of bother him a bit. So I'm wondering if that carries over against a physical Eagles defensive front. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe he just torches this vulnerable Eagle secondary. But just one thing of note, just because it wasn't really mentioned a ton with Tampa Bay blowing out or shutting out the Panthers. This is one of those games where I, I think not a single result would surprise me. Yeah. I'm like with e you. Bucks either blow one out, of these teams could Eagles win by 17. Out. Yeah, and I wouldn't blink an eye. Right, right. Or it's a close game. Great, great point, and a really fun super wild card breakdown here with Mo. Remember, if you want to tailor fade our bets, bet MGM promo code the lines. If you haven't bet with Bet MGM Sportsbook, you get up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. As always, terms and conditions apply. All of our bets in real time. Subscribe in the rules section in our free, free, free Discord channel. We're not touts. Link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. Play.thelines.com if you want to participate in our free Amazon gift card contests. You can sign up, no stake, and win those gift cards all for free. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? Just uh, think of me when you're watching the Chiefs, and uh, I'll be freezing and getting very loud with the rest of the arrowhead faithful i think it's looking good for me to go big favorite at this point i would Ooh, say good luck to you hopefully i'm assuming you're not going to be on the podcast next monday since you'll be sick but to recap here really quickly i have packers plus seven and a half that's it so far potential teaser leg for me with the texans and bucks but not 100 percent or even 50 percent on that one any potential that's for you so far. You said Packers, maybe a Juice Lions three. I doubt it touches three minus one ten both ways at this point with a back up to three and a half. You said Bucks, Texans potentially, Bills, Steelers over. What looks good to you right now? 
right now my favorite is Packers, I would say for sure. Uh, so 100% with you there. And yeah, just looking at these other ones, curious where some of them move. We'll be monitoring. I would say least likely bet would probably be Texans. But if it hits three, I just don't see it hitting three. But if it does, I, I think I'd be in there. Like I said, there were some juiced threes out there on Monday. So keep an eye out for that with Mo. And if he fires it, you'll find it in the Discord channel. For Mo, you can follow him on X at Mo Noir. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. And you can follow the lines at the Lines US. Thanks for watching our super wild card weekend betting preview here on Beat the Closing Number. For Mo, for myself, Eli, thanks for watching and listening. So long, everybody. 